The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. I will say that uh, I put this long sleeve shirt on just because it's, you know, a little cold, but uh, I was going to wear my tie-dye shirt, and had I known. <laughs> there you go. Very on brand, Dan. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, All right, I might as well start. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Winemakers. I'm John Myers with Brian Casey, Bart Hanson, Sam Katuri, and our special guest today, Dan Costa. Wow, this is cool. I like it. Uh, the crack of a bottle. Absolutely. Founder and president of Convene. Oh, let's turn that up. There we go. Nice pour. Thank you, Sam. It's a breakfast pour. <laughs> oh, breakfast rosé. What do we? Oh, that is a yeah. That's a convene. Excellent. What a way to start. Yeah, where are we here? March. They left the wine bag. Something. We, left, ju- we, have, we just released this one. We're uh, so like this week. We're day, uh, day, as this comes out, it's it'll be officially spring. We're days as we record the twenty second like, or something like, like that, right? Like, yeah, uh, a week from true spring. Yeah, from the equinox feels really feels like. The question it. is, how's the sap? been fold into going back down or is the sap sap still coming up uh there is a winery in sonoma that sent out a bud break email today and my thought was was that like was somebody in the marketing department actually in the vineyard or is that just a regularly scheduled marketing email on the calendar hey it's march you know it was tuesday march whatever rinse, day rinse and repeat right but break email right the bud break but this but it's funny the sun was shining yeah the sun was shining brightly and <laughs> i you know it's uh i thought i i was in mexico this last week uh so i that's why, why my nose is peeling can you see that on the mic? Um, but uh, the, I definitely had the reports of, you know, little cotton balls out there. So. I mean, we are basically at 12 and 12, light and dark. Things should start happening no matter what, um, you know, the atmospheric rivers say. Yeah. I You know, it's uh, this year. I hate to say this. But this year, I'm very fearful of frost. I, I just, it, you know, just the way the weather has acted this year. Uh, hopefully it's, it would, I think it's like 55 degrees outside right now at 11 o'clock, but, uh, so hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. It, it's definitely, um, late and weird and it's one of those winters that seems like it might not end. Uh, so there could definitely be some, some cold April and May mornings. Uh, yeah. Well, the good news is we have enough water to turn on the sprinklers. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, if, true. If you're into that thing. Yeah. yeah. But you got a vineyard out towards the coast, though, that you're sourcing from too. So that might might be a little cooler out there. Huh? Well, you, you know, it's at a that you're, you're talking about the Campbell Ranch, yeah. and that that's at about a thousand feet. So I have a ranch in Mendocino, um, and I think uh, we're at about two thousand feet, like, like north of Redwood Valley, almost to Willits. Uh, we got a foot foot of snow up there. So I know, I know that snow is different from frost. Uh, I would almost rather have snow. <laughs> right well, it, well, it actually insulates like when i was talking to people from walla walla we, we we were talking about how we're not used to seeing the vines covered in snow and they said actually it insulates because it keeps everything basically the same temperature well that's what frost protection is too right yeah i yeah. think that if it's snowed on 
young vine growth <laughs> that you'd be pretty fun. I, you Can know, you believe we're talking about not this to right have now? any experience with this ever happening. You're not, you're not from the Finger Lakes? Uh, but I think I think you'd be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that snow on young vine growth would yeah. be just as... Those little tender little growth that like yeah. the wind, the wind will the knock wind. off. Yeah, if you have I mean, like three inches of snow sitting on a on like first leaf, you'd be you'd be pretty screwed. It yeah. might even be worse than frost, right? Because it just break it right off. And thank God we're not on our first leaf. We're we're on uh, about twenty. Okay, <laughs> but but Brian, to your comment, like the stuff out of the coast, it's up high and it's by the coast, so hopefully it's getting some some air movement and stuff. You know, yeah. to, you know frost, to frost, it's got to be still. Yeah, frost is not normally that big of an issue out there. You're, you're really dealing with like the low for us. Obviously, we, we make Pinot Noir from Sonoma Coast and Russian River. Frost in the Russian River—that's where that's where you get it. You know, down in those little pockets. Yeah, exactly. So, the, so that cold air just kind of sinks down to those low areas, and it's like, oh shit. You know, that, those. Are, so, so it's interesting though when you do, and you know this, Sam. But like when you get the, the those frost years, you could have a vineyard that it, it only affects the low areas and, mm -hmm. and some of the higher areas. It's it's fine, and it's just a matter of a couple of degrees. Totally. Yeah. It's a matter of you know whether the fan went off at the right time or you got out there in time and the sprinklers were all working and it you know and that but, and that's if you have that right, shit out there right yeah well that's been the frost hour today on the winemakers yeah, podcast no kidding well let's, let's go well with out of the way, right? <laughs> yeah well and dan you're basically i mean you're known for you know some things pr primarily pinot noir i mean people think of Dan Costa and they think of Pinot and Costa Brown. But actually, I think the first wine that you commercially released was a vineyard designate Sauvignon Blanc from Lake County. And I'm kind of interested. You got any more of that Did laying you do around? Your homework? Can... <laughs> what the hell? You got any sitting What's in the, the cellar name of the somewhere? Vineyard? What's the name of the vineyard? Oh, God, I don't know. Roma Gear. Roma... From right. the beautiful shores of yes. Clear Lake. Yes. So yeah. who the hell does... Well, people are doing single vineyard. I mean, that was a winery also. Yeah. Roma Gear was yeah, a winery yeah, yeah, yeah. at one Kel point. Kelseyville. Yeah. 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 How that? How did that exactly come about? And how did that transition? <laughs> so, oh my God! So we made our first wine in 1997. We didn't know what the hell we were doing, but it was good. It was uh, we made a barrel of Pinot Noir uh, while we were. When I say we, Michael Brown and I, we were working at John Ashen Company in Santa Rosa, and uh, we we made a half a ton of fruit, and it was it was pretty good. I, I always say, yeah, it was Pinot Noir. I I think it was Pinot Noir. It looked like Pinot Noir. Where it could have been? It, it could have been Beaujolais. <laughs> Uh, it came from Everett Ridge. Uh, ac actually, we got it from Everett Ridge, which is now uh, like Flanagan, I think. Um, and, remember the uh, guy from Everett Ridge? Uh, no, but I remember Flanagan. Okay. Well, so Everett Ridge, that was the guy that had originally had um, what is the Hamels vineyard up at the top of Nelligan. Oh, Jack Eyre. Jack Eyre. Uh, yeah. So it, we didn't get the fruit from that property, but we got it from them. It was evidently off the of East Side Road, probably, you know, over by Rodney Strong. Yeah. But anyway, we we made a half a ton of fruit. It was it was good. We just shared it with people um, at the restaurant, and we were encouraged by our, the feedback. And um, uh, so we we didn't start uh, Costa Brown officially until 1999, Brian. And this is where we get back to. Okay, we we want to make a business out of this thing. We, we we would like to. We kept working at John Ash, of course, but what's the, you know, we called it Chateau Cash Flow. 
You can't do that with Pinot, but you certainly can with stainless steel tanks and, and, you know, how many tons? Oh, my God. We made 3,000 cases that year. I mean, I didn't I didn't know what that meant. I, I didn't. I was like, 3,000? So that's not There that might much. still be some left for yeah, you, Brian. Oh, yeah, well, it kind of looks like the Pinot Noir now. Yeah, I, but... Uh, but yeah, we made it was it was Lake County Sauvignon Blanc, and of course, you know, I we were in the uh, kind of in the path. Remember back then, uh, the big player in Lake County was was Geyser Peak. So uh, uh, there, I think it was California Sauvignon Blanc. Um, it was it was very good for like nine bucks or something like that. We were charging thirteen bucks. So how do you compete with that? So Brian, you're you're bringing back some. <laughs> Some interesting stories about we did get started with Sauvignon Blanc. Our, our first love was always Pinot, but uh, in order to make you know, we were collecting tips, you know, to, to get the winery going. And you know, even back then, Pinot Noir was three thirty five hundred bucks a ton, you know. But there wasn't a lot of it. I mean, not as much as there is now, right? There, there was because no one wanted it. Oh. <laughs> so. So we actually, the timing was good in 2000 when we got back into making Pinot Noir. We got a cone vineyard. Uh, there's a lot of cones out there in Napa and everywhere else. But this is uh, um, now owned by Joe Anderson from Benovia Winery. And uh, so we, we got some cone vineyard, which, you know, was made famous by William Selliam. Um and we were lucky enough to, we, uh, John Farrington, uh, who's uh, since passed um, from Farrington Vineyards up in Mendocino, yeah, he, he got us that fruit. Um, so we made about, I think we made about 180 cases of it. And uh, that was it, off to the races uh, with Pinot Noir. And um, and that first vintage was where? Uh, where you do made we it. Yeah, where <laughs> you made it. Where? You know where Ramsgate is now? Yeah. That used to be right. Roche, Roche wine. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, I should probably leave it at that. <laughs> Ram, Ramsgate is very nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. Yeah. So they, they raised uh, 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 Roche Winery to put Ramsgate in. And, uh, but, it, it, you know, it was, uh, that it was, was, that was tough back then because, you know, we were a couple of young guys who were in the restaurant business. We weren't in the wine business. So, I mean, the fruit came in at nine o'clock at night. You know, so we're sitting down there by, you know, Sears Point and Finian, and it's just foggy and windy, and uh, it was just miserable, you know, waiting all day for this fruit to come from Lake County. But, uh, you know, were you we like the work. last stop as they were delivering grapes or something? Well, who the hell gets Lake County fruit to deliver to, you know, South Sonoma County, right? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I worked at Kenwood, and we used to get quite a bit of Sauvignon Blanc from Lake County. And it was all the mechanically harvested stuff was always there at 5 a.m. It was great. But you're right. Anything that came, you know, handpicked was there in a set of doubles. And it looked mechanically picked by the time it got to you because it had ridden down on the truck. It was just oh, dude, Yeah, exactly. It was probably already started fermenting. Right. <laughs> Natural fermentation. Natural, see? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how we got started. Uh, but yeah, I, that is how we got started. And, and, um, you know, we, you know, it, it. It's very helpful when you make some bad wines because that's how you learn how to make good wines, right? And and I'm not saying that those wines were were bad. I really liked them, but we were lucky enough to have a um, a quiet learning curve uh, until about 2003. Then it wasn't quiet anymore. Um, when Wine Spectator kind of picked us up and did a story on us, and ever since then we were kind of in a fishbowl. 
Uh, but I, I, I would hesitate to. I, we weren't really ready for it. So, so what was it that you guys were drinking then? That was what were your goals? Who were your gatekeepers? You know, who were who were you targeting? Well, I, you know, first of all, um, I'm I'm fourth generation Sonoma County, um, uh, Santa Rosa specifically. My dad is from Hillsburg, working in the Russian River Valley. My dad was an airline pilot, so he he brought back. Uh, when I was a kid, he would bring back um, Pinot Noirs from Burgundy. I mean, DRCs. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'm I'm 51 now, but when I was so we're talking about 45 years ago when you could actually get DRCs, right, or for a reasonable price, actually. So that's where I kind of cut my teeth on on. It was always Pinot Noir. Um, so I was always drinking Pinot Noir. Brian, you alluded to the fact that, you know, there wasn't that many, there were Pinot vines, but there weren't that many good Pinot Noirs being produced in Sonoma County. So what was, where was all that fruit going then? Uh, at Corbell. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. again, that was Corbell and Corbell did sparkling with it. And Kenwood grew a very large Pinot, um, program it, very, very quickly. And it was BTG pricing because Gary owned everything. Gary and Jim Ledbetter owned everything. And, um, and it was farmed for tonnage and, you know, just farmed. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it, Mike Lee made some Pinot Noir out of Kenwood. Of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, no. That was when Mike was the winemaker at that time. And that was, you know, but they, Mike grew that program. And then as he, when he left then Corbell seem to how to yeah. destroy it but well uh, right and so and then if you remember too you know russian river wasn't russian river back then right it was i mean the good wines well, let's call it the 80s and we'll get into the 90s here in a second but the 80s was it was all about carneros right for right. pinot noir you know right. you know uh Saintsbury and um i well that that's my recollection of it and then and then when you started and this is the really roundabout answer to your question when uh, professionally um, the Russian River did start, you know, booming in the nineties. So Joe Swan, Dalinger, William Sellium, Rocchioli, right. Gary Farrell, to a certain extent. Um, uh, a lot of people <laughs> thought that, you know, like Costa Brown was like this groundbreaking. We, we didn't invent anything, but, you know, we, we were, we had a lot of guys ahead of us that were very inspirational. I, I, and I, and I mentioned them, I'm probably missing a, a couple of them, but but Those guys, were certainly the guys. Sorry, but you guys were also, you were coming out a different way because other people were either winemakers or they were grape growers. And, and you guys were psalms. Like, what do these guys know about making wine? Well, isn't that the way now? <laughs> I mean, you know about drinking wine. <laughs> it's like, Brian, when are you going to start making wine, dude? He did it. <laughs> okay. I already have. You actually. already have, I know. And yeah, we just yeah. had Patrick Capiello <laughs> on the on the show uh, yeah. last week. So, yeah, it seems to... You know, th but that's the new model is that you don't have to own anything. If you can go to a crush pad facility and I'm, know I'm, I'm still doing it. Yeah. You know, I'm still doing the, the Costa Brown model. And as I'm sure all your listeners know, I mean, we sold Costa Brown. And so, you know, my kids are going to college or, you know, they're, 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 we're comfortable. Everything's good. But the model still works to not have to, you know, do this huge capital expenditure. When you're dealing, and Sam, you know this, um, when you're dealing with really good growers, let 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 the growers be the growers, and and we'll make the wine. And, and there's crossover, of course. You know, like with Campbell Ranch, we lease it, we don't own it. And there's there's uh, aspirations to own, but the model works. You know, the the wine industry is very hard, especially when it comes to you know like cash flow, and uh, so to to put out that capital outlay, it's it's a lot of work. It's a, and and um, 
you know, it's a growing wine is a totally different business than than making wine, even though they have to come together uh, as a business model. They're just totally different. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the questions I, mean, I wanted to ask, though, is because and, and you just mentioned it, aspirations of owning. So if you did want to purchase a vineyard, what area would you look at? Well, you know, uh, I, I think that that goes back to the whole vision of what this Lake County Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, Lake, Lake, yeah, Lake County. <laughs> Actually, that's not terribly cheap anymore either. Sauvignon Blanc all of a sudden is like the it's, hottest. Dude, uh, you, you like, can't get it now. Yeah, you can't yeah. get it, and um, it, it's interesting because I don't drink a lot of Sauvignon Blanc anymore. Uh, well, I do like Sancerre. You know, I, I like that style, or or even Bordeaux with a little semi on in it. But uh, I, I'm not crazy about the very overly perfumed stuff. I, anyway, that's another discussion. But um, convene and and everything that we're doing now after 25 plus years in the business, um, it's it's a it's a learning curve. It's still a learning curve. You're always going to be on that curve. And and my point in the journey is uh, tension and um uh intellectual approaches to to winemaking um and and sam i'll, I'll be you know diving in a, a little bit into more organics i'm, I'm not huge on biodynamics I, I i i can be i love the fact that when when something is biodynamic it means that people are paying attention uh so i i love that it's totally the most important piece of biodynamics is, is a way it means you're listening and paying attention to the farming yeah. and the farm and the yeah. land in a way that even you know and most of what we do isn't certified biodynamic in fact i don't think anything is certified biodynamic anymore but what doing that taught us from a farming standpoint and many of the practices are integral into what we do we just now don't you know, yeah. bury cow horns at the full moon it's, and dance. Well, you know, and that, check exactly, in. and and that kind of is the uh, caricature of biodynamics. But I, I I totally agree with you. It just means I love it when people are paying attention. So so back to you know if we were to purchase, it would be you know I we do Russian River and Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir. Um, I think the challenge, the real in depth, um, fun cerebral project would be Sonoma Coast. Like where we, that's why we lease Campbell Ranch, which is out in Annapolis. It's kind of an interesting place because, you know, when you, when you look at that area, you're, you're expecting like this Franciscan complex of, of soils, but you know what? It's Goldridge. It's Goldridge. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It, it's, it's really weird. Um, but there are, there, the diversity of Sonoma Coast is crazy. And I'm really happy that we're finally carving out the Sonoma Coast into appropriate uh, appellations. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to Gap. Sonoma yeah. Coast being yeah. like half of Sonoma County. Right. Yeah. That's right. And even, yeah, exactly. And so, so like Campbell Ranch is now part of the West Sonoma Coast. I love that appellation. And, and, Ross yeah. Season. And, and it's a true, true appellation, you know, I mean, and that's great that it's finally there. It's it's hard out there, you know. To it's hard in the Russian River too. Russian River needs to be carved up too. But you know, we'll, we'll get there. We don't want to confuse the um, consumer. But um, you know, there's more soil types in Russian River than there is in all of France, right? Yeah, you know, we had um, the folks on from 
who is it that Danny clue? used to no for, yeah I'm looking for a clue that Kansler. Danny used Kansler. to work with Kanzler oh Alex and yeah. and Alex talked about the neighborhoods the idea of the Russian River neighborhoods yeah yeah um, I it, it that that's the start right it's right. it's a it's a non-binding unofficial uh, yeah uh, the neighborhoods is is a uh, Russian River is, is it's like Sonoma Coast the more we learn the more we know that. You know, Russian River can mean a lot of things. Sonoma Coast can mean a lot of things. So, uh, and Lake County <laughs> can mean a lot of things. <laughs> three thousand. We didn't even talk. We got three thousand cases of Sauvignon Blanc. And you're for, that was like fifty tons. Yeah, yeah. That we processed like. Oh my God! It was just That's a neat. ballsy move oh. for a couple of songs. I was, I was a lot God of is like direct to press. That know? was a, I was a lot of tips. To, I mean, even at like whatever ninety seven Lake County Sauvignon Blanc prices, I think we paid a thousand bucks a ton. Yeah, but you know, for a couple of guys with no money, and that's. That like is, you said, that's fifty thousand bucks. Yes, that's, that was, how, that's how, all much, how much did you guys each sell? Direct. I, I, I sold it all. <laughs> I sold it all. And did you carry it at John Ash? <laughs> you think? <Yeah. laughs> like, think what whites did. do you have by what whites do you have by the glass? Try the Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> the Sauvignon Blanc is delicious. Yeah, yeah. No, we we did. Yeah, you have to be careful with that too. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, um, we we were talking about psalms being winemakers and and you have to be careful you know you know you, I was I was raised professionally to be very objective when it comes to wine, um, and you can appreciate this, Brian. I it's there's a fine line between guiding a consumer and giving a consumer what he or she wants. Um, so you have to you have to play that game, and and so I was always a consumer advocate. So you have to be you're very careful if you're a wine buyer or a psalm and you're producing your own product that you don't just, you know, think that everything that you make is, you know, number one. You, yeah. you can't do that. You're better off. You're better off, you know, not having that seller palette. And, you know. Well, I think I, I think I went through 30 cases of my Roussan at the Fairmont, but I think maybe two tables figured out that it was my wine. That's good. Because it had, it actually said bottled by Dane Sellers. Bart helped me bottle it, and I and I think the conversation came up, and it wasn't even me mentioning it. it was the servers that said, "Oh yeah, by the way, your psalm is because my name tag said Casey." Right. Uh, <laughs> no one, no one knew that it was me, and I wouldn't have sold it. You would have told them it, probably that it was yours if you, if you asked first. Do you like it? Right. Right. Where if they said, <laughs> you know, do you know, do you know who That's makes this? Terrible. Where, I don't, yeah, these people there, you know, I don't know sketchy habits. No, we'd like to buy a couple of cases. of This. Do you know who makes it? I say, oh yeah, actually, I know a guy. Yeah, I know. Totally. I, I know that. <laughs> Take your credit card now, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also, it wasn't. I wouldn't have put it on the list if I didn't like the wine or think that it was yes. good wine. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. just our, to get rid of our, the product. Our mutual friend David Lohenberg says it's the best wine he's ever had. Best Roussan he's ever had. Sorry, let's not get crazy. Best labeled Roussan. Right. Best yeah. Roussan I've had this week. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I love Roussan. I, you know, it's uh, you were joking about like Grenache and stuff. Um, I, I love Roussan. I love Grenache Blanc. I love, I love the Rhone, right? But that's just not what we do. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we, we just had some rosé. Now we're drinking Chardonnay, and then I have a whole bunch yeah, of Pinot Noir. We should probably so. we glossed over the rosé because we kind of had it for breakfast. But um, it was breakfast rosé. It was yeah. it was a good way to. There's, refresh the palate on a <laughs> this dreary cinema day. Are you talking like when you say refresh the palate, you mean hair of the dog? 
uh, got the coffee and the <laughs> okay. the $10,000 I just spent for bottles out of my, out of my, oh, taste out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a whole other show. <laughs> Great new labels and logo on these. Thank you. Um, yeah, it, uh, the, we're going for a lot of things. So the, the brand is called Convene, and that means a lot of things. It means... Um, we like our blends. Of course, we're going to have some single vineyards here, but we're, we we focus on the blends, and so it's a it's a confluence of vineyards. Um, it's I start, a. Should I open all these bottles? Should I start opening things? Over oh, here? absolutely. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Um, and and then uh, it, it's a it's a point in the journey, as I mentioned before. Um, it's a it's a coming together of all the things that we've learned thus far, and having a vision for the future. And then, of course, it's like here we are, five guys um sitting here having breakfast wine convening you know so that that's that's what it is and so you mentioned the label um it, it's a it's a we like the friendly label not that we're going for like a millennial or even a gen z but it 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 can't be we didn't want to do stuffy we wanted to have you know colors um we wanted to have it be classy and then, of course, the logo, you know, when we sold Costa Brown to Duckhorn in 2018, um, Michael Brown and I were left to our own devices. And uh, so I, I, you know, not to, well, I did want to put my name on the label. Um, uh, Hell was, yeah. You know, right? So, I mean, I didn't want <laughs> I mean, yeah, duh. I didn't want to out of ego. But I was just there, wanted it you... to be a continue uh, a, a continuation, kind of a seamless transition from Costa Brown to to this. Did you have a non compete with them? Um, no. Well, you know, we we had we sold to private equity uh, in two thousand nine, right? Controlling interest. That's when we had the non competes, but Got we it. stayed on, right? And then we had another event in two thousand fourteen, stayed on, and then uh, when Duckhorn bought us, we were out. And okay. uh, w when you when you own a little bit of the company, you kind of can negotiate your way out of those yeah. non-competes. Yeah. And, you know, look, Costa Brown's in really good hands with Duckhorn. Yeah. Um, really good. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy that they are, the, the, the name is uh, in good stewardship there. Um, but, you know, th this is convened by Dan Costa. It's not Dan Costa. Right. It, it's convened by yeah. Dan Costa. It's, it's subtle. Yeah. You know? So I just want people to, when it comes to wine, as you guys all know, there's so many wineries out there now, new labels that, so how do you know? Right. So there's a trust factor, right? right, for the consumer. And so, I like I said, I didn't want to put my name on there just to see it. I just wanted people to go, oh, okay, like Dan Costa from Costa Brown. We we trust that. Right. Well, and I, and I would say that that people people aren't sure. Like people wonder if you guys still own it, um, you know, or at least involved. They might know that it was sold. Um, and so yeah, so it's nice to be able to say, Harry, hey, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you know, speaking of that, we're drinking the Chardonnay now. I I mentioned that I grew up on like um, on Burgundies, red Burgundies. But you know, my heart when it comes to white wines is Burgundy. When I go to Burgundy, like eighty percent of the wines I drink are Chardonnay. <laughs> you know, and the other, of course, is Pinot. But I, I decidedly have a new world palate when it comes to Pinot Noir and an old world palate mm. when it comes to Chardonnay. So the wine, this the Chardonnay goes through 100% ML. Um, you, you might not guess that because it's no. not a you know a, yeah, it's, it's not, not a, a butter bomb. Yeah, it's not a butter bomb, and we use about 30% new wood. I love Merceau. I'm not trying to make Merceau, but I love the sensibility of Merceau. <laughs> so um, 
that's kind of what we're going for. This is very youthful. This is a 21. Uh, we bottled this at the same time as the rosé. So we just bottled it uh, last month. Um, so, you know, it's funny because the Chardonnays, I think they like to be decanted just as much as a Pinot Noir, you know, when they're young. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I told her, I was thinking, I was like, <clears throat> some of those bottled a month ago. I want to get a glass, put it aside, right. come back to it at the end of the show. See yeah. what happens as it opens up. If there's any left. Well, I'm going to put it in a glass and hide it from all of us, <laughs> especially myself and really Brian. Really, it's Brian. <laughs> really, you're going to hide your Chardonnay from Brian. Right. So, but, but Dan, just so t- talk about the fact that Costa Brown was kind of known for doing the single vineyard. I mean, and you played with some of the most iconic vineyards, iconic Pinot vineyards in California. So, and then when you and I sat down and did a tasting, the, the, the conversation was sort of more about doing some blends. Um, so doing some blending and specifically from Russian River and Sonoma Coast. But then but then it looks like you're kind of dipping back into doing some single well, vineyards. I opened stuff the this. single vineyards first because that's what I pulled out. Right. I'm opening a, uh, the, a Sonoma Coast blend right now. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm so, getting there. I'm getting um, there. I'm not this? a psalm like you guys. I'm opening. I'm, also, I'm, you have I'm really good foils. Honestly, so I'm watching you struggle with that I bottle know. and it's like it's I'm it's hurting me. I can imagine you on the floor at a restaurant. Now. It would be a disaster. <laughs> it would be such a disaster. I mean, the first table that I got to this would have perfect for the Sam, first right? table that I got to would have a great time. All yeah, the rest of the tables would have. Where did that guy go? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, okay, so it, it's a little bit of um, an enigma. Is that the right word? Uh, that we have these single vineyards here. Um, in the future, I have a new brand. Uh, called uh, DK Grail. Um, that's where all our, our single vineyards are going to live. Okay. Um, uh, and, and so this is these are kind of like one-offs for convene as far as the Campbell Ranch and um, and Sunchase Vineyard. And there's one wine that I did not bring for you guys. Do you know we, we make Zen? I was so it's sold out on the website. It is sold out, but I know that's that was something that you and I talked about was that you were doing a Zinfandel from Limerick Lane. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's so, like I, it's my little pet project. I get two tons a year. Uh, back when I was um, um, at John Ashton Company, I loved those Limerick Lane Zinfandels from like the late eighties. Yeah, and, and uh, I just absolutely loved them. <clears throat> By the way. I love I love a lot a ton of you know Russian River Zins. I'm not I, I, Dry Creek is obviously very famous for Zin, but I prefer Russian River and and Limerick Lane is at the northern edge of Russian River, so it's it's hardly it, Dry Creek. It's hardly Dry Creek, right? Yeah, and um, if if I had the bottle here, you'd notice that I put it in a in a burgundy bottle for a reason. I I call it a Pinot Noir lovers Zinfandel. Because I, I think Limerick Lane has that beautiful red fruit. It's not that big peppery, you know, blackberry, briary thing. It's more of a raspberry, some kind of like um, a stone fruit, too. Um, and I just always loved it. So back when, when Jake Bilbro bought Limerick Lane, oh, geez, what was that, 12 years ago, I guess? Um, I said, dude, I, I'm, a, I'm a bigger fan of this vineyard than you are. <laughs> so please, please, pretty please, just peel off a couple tons for me. And he did. So we make about uh, 90 cases a year, half of which probably goes into my own cellar. So, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it's, a, it's a pet project. And as, as you guys know, Sam, I mean, you, you have a lot of experience with Zinfandel, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> so you you know that it's a labor of love. It's everyone says that Pinot Noir is the hardest grape to grow. I don't know about that. Zinfandel, especially head prune zin, is really hard. It's hard to gauge a pick. You know, yeah. so it's like the unevenness is crazy. One cluster has four levels of ripeness. That's right. Green berries right. to completely desiccated raisins. Yeah. That's that's yeah. And if you're waiting to get rid of the green berries, you've waited too long. Right. That's right. And, and you, if you try and pick it without the raisins, it's <laughs> totally underripe. Right. Oh, oh, and then you put it in the bottle and try to sell Zinfandel in, you know, <laughs> Minnesota. It doesn't work because they'll, they'll go, oh. That's a red blend. Well, this is red. Well, where's the pink <laughs> stuff? But yeah. thank God, though, I always tell people, like, you know, Syrah was supposed to be the next big thing. Grenache, the next big thing. Zinfandel, I hope, never gets popular because then it keeps the prices down. And those of us that live here in California can actually drink really good Zin and not have to pay cab prices for it. Right. Keep dreaming. Well, they they yeah. tried. I mean, they tried. People have tried to make. And, and you know, hearing a, Zin, a Pinot Lover's Zinfandel, music to my ears. Let Zinfandel be the vineyard and... You know, in different places like out there, it's gonna have some of those Pinot Noir kind of characteristics. I'm trying to make Pinot Noir into Cabernet, I mean, sorry, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make Zinfandel into Cabernet, uh, trying to make Zinfandel into, into Cabernet. It, why Zin got the bad rap, the you know, the second bad rap, the after. White Zinfandel rap, the like. Well, they, thank, jam God, thank God for White Zin, or, or else we wouldn't all have those these vines. Vines. All those vineyards would be gone. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's right, Zin so, so, that, that we don't have. Let's, yeah. Dan Costa, <laughs> renowned Zinfandel maker. <laughs> Next time we see him, it'll be four different Zinfandels. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Jake bought a beautiful property up there, didn't he? I mean, Limerick yeah. Lane is a beautiful spot. Yeah, there's place. some stuff uh, from 1910 there. Um and and they they isolate those. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a great spot. Uh, and and it it's, you know, it really is kind of at the confluence of Chalk Hill and and Russian River and, and Alexander Valley, right there kind of Fitch Mountain mm. area. Uh, but it's 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 a fantastic spot, and it, it so the reason that uh, I think the Russian River um, that the the Appalachian line right there in northern or southern Hillsbury, I think is really accurate because you get the the fog just kind of comes up from Santa Rosa, to, you know, come, starts in the Petaluma Gap. People think that it comes up through the Russian River, it really doesn't. It kind of comes up the Petaluma Gap, right? So it comes up, and it kind of stops right there at at Limerick Lane. Hmm. And and so it's it's really nice and cool. It's not as cool as like the 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 awesome heritage vineyards down on like Olivet Lane, like Papara and Carlisle, those guys. But it's um, it, it has the same kind of um, nuance as those vineyards have. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. All right. Well, you'll have to bring the Zinfandel next time. This, did, did this turn into a Zinfandel show? Well, we weren't going to, I mean, if you listen to any, we weren't going to let it be a Pinot show the whole time. We, we can flip the script. So check this out. This is a question I've wanted to ask to a Pinot producer, because we've had people that, that make Merlot, and we've asked them this question, but we've never asked a Pinot producer this question, is when the movie Sideways came out, we, we talked to Merlot producers about how that fucked them, but we never talked to Pinot producers about 
what what kind of ride did you go on after that movie came out? I don't know. I should have sold a whole bunch of Cheval Blanc. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Merlot. <laughs> Merlot. <laughs> so um, uh, we were, I think the movie came out in 03. And so we were just kind of getting our own recognition, just starting to. So I we, we talked about, you know, the, the 80s and 90s of uh, 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 Sonoma County, Pinot Noir, and, and that it just wasn't really hitting its stride yet. But then in the 90s, it did, right? And, I, you know, the, the later 90s, I think there was, a, with William Salyan, with Dalinger, Rocchioli, just solid wines. Style notwithstanding, it doesn't matter. Um, it was, the quality was really uh, increasing um, s- systemically. What I got from Sideways is that it didn't, it just made it okay. It gave per- permission for people to drink Pinot Noir. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, because it was like this, you know, it was a, a moving target with Pinot Noir. That's why people didn't order it. You didn't know if it was going to be shit or if it was going to be really good. Most often it was shit. Uh, but Sideways brought, it was like, oh, hey, here's here's a new generation of, you know, whether it was the guys that I mentioned or, and, and then, you, you know, we get down to the central coast and they're doing their thing. Sea smoke was obviously featured and uh, again, style notwithstanding. Um, it, it's just that they were sound wines uh, in 2003. There was a lot to, to pull from. Um, and obviously nothing against Merlot. That was just an unfortunate side effect. Uh, a kind of a douchey side effect, if you ask me. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I don't like the movie. I hated every character in that movie. Um, but it certainly was powerful, you know. Well, I, and then at the same time, I think you guys didn't you get like a ninety-eight or something? For we did with the we, we we talked about Alex Cancer. Um, uh, we got a ninety-eight for our o uh, o four cancer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Shout out to Alex, who was, yeah. did, did a who funny Instagram the post night. the other day when he was sitting outside of Silicon Valley Bank. <laughs> with his I saw that. I we never even talked about that. And thankfully, I was like, I, I won't mention his name, but there was a friend of mine who worked for SVB, and we banked with SVB. But I followed him over to another bank. Uh, and now I'm looking back going, wow, that was that's, genius. That's a good move. <laughs> good move. I did see Alex's post. But anyway, so cancer, you you mentioned earlier, Brian, about like Costa Brown and like single vineyards. A lot of those those vineyards, I have to say, um, uh, with all humility, that we discovered them. So uh, when you look at um, Kanzler and Copeland, mm-hmm. you know, no one no one made the, we we made those. That we we kind of we saw those as as these grand cru type vineyards so little little pat on my own back but or michael brown really um but that you know when kiefer was kind of kind of the same way other people were you know doing kiefer amber ridge you know not no one was doing that other than adam lee at saduri um but yeah i mean single vineyards were oh gas crown of course yeah you know and that's a big vineyard but we were the first to put it on a label you know, and and we don't we we did not take that lightly. We don't just go throwing vineyards on the label. They have to be unique and good and consistently both, right? So, so, and obviously, you know, you can see it in the vineyard sometimes, but 
when you were bringing those grapes in, what were you seeing in the cellar that said, you know, we need to, we need to designate this. We need to put Kanzler on a label when nobody else has yet. Not, and so then you're not doing it because the name on the label is going to sell the wine. You're doing it because the wine in the bottle deserves the name on the label, right? Yeah, that's right. We weren't doing anything for marketing. I mean, there's, there was nothing cute about that, but we, we put Kanzler, uh, in the Sonoma Coast blend. You know, you get to know the vineyards first. Yeah. The only vineyard that we kind of went straight to, um, single vineyard was Copeland, um, which is Olivet Lane or, uh, yeah, Olivet, uh, road. And, uh, it was like, it's, it's five acres, five and a half acres, something like that. And, um, it was all six, six, seven. So just one clone, which is interesting, but, um, we just, it was a powerful wine. It's, it's not a wine that I probably would make today, you know, just as my palate evolves because six, six, seven, uh, relatively warm area for Pinot Noir. Um, it was, it was just like generous and, and fruit driven and really good. Um, but it stood out, you know, it stood out in a certain uh, style as, as did cancer cancer. We, it was a little bit more diverse, six six seven, one fifteen, uh eight two eight, I think there was a little eight two eight. Um but you know, that that was a cooler area. And we just we just you know, you taste them in barrels, you know. I mean it's you taste them in barrels, you go, geez, this is like just unique. And and back then, um, I would say, you know, as a blanket statement, we kind of vinified the wines very similar so that we figured that eh, we'll make the wines the same and that way the vineyards speak a little bit more. I, I think that was not the correct approach. Uh, it worked for us, but um, we you, you have Sunchase and Campbell Ranch in front of you. Well, yes, they, which they're, one, they're very I different. Know, they you, don't want to be made the same. You right. poured your glass at, obviously, I'm ready. I'm ready. ready for what, what should we, we go first? <clears throat> well, I, I think since there's an outlier here, uh, which is the Russian River, uh, everything else is Sonoma Coast. So, so let's do the Russian River first. And Dan, that style of wines that that was being made, the style of Pinot that was being made back then in early two thousands, was probably a little bit different than you're doing now too. Which was, I mean, you guys were getting rewarded for bigger wines. Yeah, and that, sometimes you you make the wine, and sometimes the wine makes you. So you know, back then in two thousand three, two thousand four, hot. Hot. Yeah. And we didn't have a lot of the resources to make a, a quick pick call. <laughs> right. So we there were a lot of, you know, golf balls out there, dimples on the <laughs> you know, we, so so we had some big wines. We were bringing these things in at, you know, twenty seven. Wow. You know? And um not all of them of course, but it's just an example. But you know, we um we kind of got uh, typecasted, I guess, or pigeonholed, whatever you want to call it, uh, into a certain style because that wine spectator picked up, especially in 04. It was like, wow, this is something different, right? And and that's what people like, whether it's, you know, back back then, I think that uh, uh, the American palate was still a teenager, right? We, we hadn't really evolved. So we like big, powerful stuff, you know, big cabs. Big oaky buttery chardonnays, yeah. and then along comes this Costa Brown uh, Pinot Noir, which is like, bam, you know, something different in in the Pinot Noir world. So it certainly stood out, um, somewhat, somewhat by accident. Um, 
um, you know, Michael Brown always used to say he just wants to make a delicious beverage, which those wines were. Um, as as we evolve, uh, all of us sitting around the table, we've been in the business for a long time. Our palates change, right? So um, convene is as a manifestation of that evolution. Um, I, I love those times when you're young. You love hedonism, right? And as you get a little bit older, you want a little bit of thought. And I, I used the word tension earlier. That's kind of what you know. You don't you don't seek. You don't you don't just engineer tension, uh, but you do you know find vineyards that that are are on the cusp of of deliciousness and um, and and cerebral right to where that's that to me is what tension is. I mean, I think it's interesting you, the way you said that. You know, you can't engineer tension because when you do, otherwise, like trying to add acid or something, it all usually right. stands out. Right, it stands out like a sore thumb. Um, so, um, you do have to be thoughtful and you have to be able to identify it early on, right? Yeah. Early on in the vineyard selection and the, the, the winemaking. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, thankfully that's almost cliche at this point, right? You right. Know, we're, you know, good wines made in the vineyard. Right. Um, I mean, it's so true. Um, that being said, you know, I, we kind of. The the blends are fun. They're winemaker wines because you do have your hands in it a little bit. But, um, you know, with with that said, uh, we we tend to let the vineyards be the the painting, right? So, in other words, like the oak it needs to be the frame, can't be part of the painting. And and to those ends, <clears throat> we sometimes would prefer maybe, uh, especially in Russian River, where it, it's tends to be fleshier wines um we, we will put you know i think on this one we did about 10 percent whole cluster you know i'd rather get the tension and the and the structure from the vine itself than than the oak and now i don't want the wine tasting like uh, stems i do not like that but you know it's just like a good chef it's like oh man you have this dish it's like well what is that you can't really figure it out because it's subtle that to me is what whole cluster it's a good uh tool if it's used uh deftly yeah. and you'll do whole cluster uncrushed or you do like it's like a carbonic adds, adds, so you, you will do uh, it. yeah it's more of like a, a little bit of carbonic you know yeah we don't we don't bust it up we don't we don't get we don't do like a pigeage right right yeah well maybe we do i don't no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so let's talk about winemaking. So who who are you working with right now? Who's so your winemaker? Shane, Shane Finley and I work together um, doing the wines. He's there every day. Shane used to work for Adam, right? Shane used to work for me and Michael. Oh. So Shane started at Costa Brown in 2006. Okay. You might be thinking of Ryan Zapaltis. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. And yeah. they're buddies. Shane okay. and Ryan are buddies. And Ryan is now the winemaker at uh, Copain. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who... Did work for Adam forever. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but they they're kind of cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Um, uh, Shane worked in the Rhone Valley and uh, Australia for Torbrecht, and and then uh, he started with us in 2006, and then he was a winemaker uh, at Linmar, um, and he was my winemaker for Alden Alley, which was just a small little brand that that I had since 2013. Uh, and now, you know, he's with me on, on convene and everything else. So there's a, you know, that's, we, we've been together for, you know, almost, almost 20 years. Um, you know, and it, it, 
there's a point there that, um, you know, this is just because Shane and I have been working together for a long time, it doesn't mean that this is like, actually, it means the opposite. It's not Costa Brown 2.0. You know, this is, this is the way that I look at the relationship with me and Shane is not necessarily about style. It's about us speaking the same language. Right. So you can, we communicate very well um, when it comes to vineyard sourcing, when it comes to uh, overall vision on the wines, um, and then the execution, I leave to Shane. Uh, and so who was making the wine when, when, when you first started? Was it you making the wines initially? You're talking you... about Costa Brown? Yeah. Like yeah. That, so like, Michael like... and I made the first wines together. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you don't need that redundancy. So, so Michael, uh, he focused on um, the winemaking, and then uh, me with you know being a, a psalm and you know being out in the public a little bit more. I I took on the sales and marketing yeah. stuff, which is good. I mean, I you you can change it up. You know, winemaking is ninety percent set up and clean up, and, yeah. and it's like all right, but that that's fine. I'll I'll show up for the ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do like it. Uh, you, you have to, as yeah, I call myself a vintner, uh, and I'll call Shane a winemaker um, because I like to get in there. You need to be close to the wines. You need to be close to the vineyards. Uh, you got to get your hands dirty. But uh, I'm not racking barrels. Yeah. You know, uh, actually, Shane's not either. We don't rack. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> racking barrels. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I mean, Shane's Shane's got the. He's got the dirty fingernails for and sure. Where are you guys making the wines now? We're, we're at Vinify. We're we're doing a custom crush again. This goes back to the model that we did with, with Costa Brown. We have a we have a hospitality area, which is the the pretty face of the thing. It's up at Bacchus Landing in Healdsburg, and it's it's awesome. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, we this this model. We don't need the bells and whistles of you know um, our own winery. It, it doesn't make sense out, even if we. I mean, we do. We're we're pretty well financed, but we just we don't think that's a good investment. We would rather, uh, when the time comes, invest in vineyards. <clears throat> hmm. Again, with the vineyards. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's vineyards for you know v to be vertically integrated, right? So from soup to nuts, but um, it's also a real estate play, of course. I mean, yeah. God's not making more vineyard land in Sonoma County. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so your your neighbors. Yeah, I think actually, uh, some of it is probably washing down the Russian yeah, River right, as we exactly. speak. And to listen to the county supervisor's report today, it's not going to be any easier to do a yeah. uh, winery anywhere. No, no, yeah. exactly. can't wait till so Susan Gorin's gone. Uh, okay. Yeah, this she's your valley. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, we know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know. We've got some pretty uh, uh, pro pro business people. Yeah. Uh, where we are. Thank in, God. In Hillsburg. And, Somewhat in the fifth district with uh, in the Russian River Valley, but yeah, it, it, it's it's really tough uh, to to start those things, uh, which is why I I really wanted to focus on the hospitality spot in Hillsburg. Yeah. you know I I and by the way we we are going old school. We we don't we're not charging for our tastings, and we're not doing this appointment right. only thing. Can you imagine showing up in Sonoma County? And, you know, you, Brian, you work at Sonoma Mission Inn. You know, you, you sign it, you get to your hotel room, and you want to go wine tasting. And then right. they say, well, no, you can't because you don't have an appointment. And it's yeah. 100 bucks and blah, 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 blah. 
I, I just, that rubs me the wrong way. Uh, so we, we have a flight that's complimentary. We do have a, a, a premium flight that we do charge for, but you know, if you come in, it's like, dude, all I want to do is get wine in people's glass. Our, so our friend Allison is, uh, Allison Smith stories in that same complex. She, I think she is. Yeah. She's are. awesome. So yeah. is everyone doing the same model or are you guys the ones that aren't charging? They might be mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. That deserves one of these. Um, it, you know, I, I, I just didn't. We started there almost two years ago, and we had the whole, you know, we, we did charge for a flight, this, that, the other. And I just, that's not hospitality to me. And I, I, I don't want to, you know, tell other people what to do. I just know what felt right for us was, was is trial. It's just, you got here, you got to the tasting room and, you know, it's not like, it's not all, uh, you know, bachelorette parties that come in and just, just drink. That's not the way it is. People yeah. buy, people come in, they just want to taste it. And I just want to make it a lot easier for them to do that. Yeah. But fair enough, you also have the funding, though, to, to be able to do that. Whereas some people maybe that, that actually smaller, doesn't that doesn't come into play. I mean, the theory is that it's not part of the give, give them a taste, they'll buy the bottle. Right. But if you charge a bottle price for a taste, then right. they figure they already gave you their money. Yeah. You know, as a tourist, um, we always used to buy at least a bottle anytime anybody gave us a taste. At least. I mean, it's just the thing you want to do. Whether it's guilt or not. <laughs> yeah, quite frankly, you know. I don't think I've left anywhere without a bottle. No, I, I haven't. And, and it, there's just a, a certain sensibility now to where it's not people just going out and getting drunk. It, it just doesn't happen. I don't see it. If people... You know, it's like you buy, you walk onto a car lot because you're interested in the car. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you walk into a tasting room because you're interested to buy wine. Yeah. And that's what I see. I know it's very anecdotal and I'll give you some more, you know, concrete metrics soon. But I, the way I see it is, you know, our job is not to make people feel good about convene. Our job is to make people feel good about themselves. Right. We're, we're in the entertainment business. We, we this is experiential so step one is to not put you know speed bumps out there for people to get wine in their glass hmm. but you've always thought that way you even thought about the restaurant business that it was theater you know of course yeah yeah I got, everything's theater right but all the world's a stage all the world's a stage yeah. are you a rush fan I think I think Shakespeare said that first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. But I went straight to Getty Lee. Right, yeah. <laughs> and just the thought of Sam at a Rush concert. It's nah. hard to wrap my head around. It's oh. one of those concerts where I feel like everybody looks like a security guard. That's what I felt like when I went to Metallica. I was like, can I smoke a bowl? No, that's a security guard. No, I got kicked out of a Rush concert for, for exactly that. Exactly. Yeah, I was like up front. We, we happened, Michael and I went up uh, they have an intermission for some reason and and so Getty Lee and Alex Liveson are like big wine guys so they they so we kind of went up and met them and, and stuff but the second half of the show was a little different because I didn't have to behave myself <laughs> so I got escorted out right at the last song they they took a golf cart to my car where someone else I'm like oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to stay for the last song. <laughs> Wasn't exactly sure where my car was. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what what is your um what do you find numbers wise as far as direct to consumer and, and 
you know, people, um, obviously you probably have a wine club. Yeah. Um, and how much are you selling to restaurants? And Well, we can certainly, I mean, I'm just thrilled to be here talking with you guys about this. We could talk all day about that uh, because it's not the old days. It's not, you know, Costa Brown. There's so many people out there now, you know, vying for that direct-to-consumer, whether it's a wine club or this, that, the other. And quite frankly, we're, we're in the same boat. I mean, we, we, we're lucky because we hit the ground running as far as, you know, people signing up for our list and, and buying direct. But yeah. um, what's really important for me, uh, for a new brand, uh, I mentioned trial, uh, for getting it into people's glasses, well, the best way to do that is uh, is in restaurants. So, yeah. one of the best ways, I should say. But um, uh, so we're we're at about fifty uh, fifty right now. It's very important. It, it'll grow to probably I'm, I'm predicting eighty percent direct. Well, as soon as people but find takes, out you got a free tasting, they're going to come. Well, there you go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and you're on our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The winemaker's bump. Uh, Sonoma Coast blend first before we go to the yeah. single vineyard. Sonoma Coast blend. So, um, just so Sonoma Coast, uh, we have these two single vineyards here, uh, Sunchase and Campbell. Well, that's pretty much what the blend is for the Sonoma Coast. It comes from those two vineyards, a little bit of Gap's Crown, which is also Petaluma Gap. But for the most part, uh, it's it's um, this is highly influenced by Campbell Ranch, and what Campbell Ranch. We can talk about the Campbell when we taste it, but. Um, the Campbell Ranch is, uh, you know, it's, it's it's got those tertiary flavors, right? Um, it, it's not just generous stone fruit. It, it's got nice fruit, but it has a little crunchiness to it and a little bit of earthiness to it. It's got, it just it smells like it's got a little crunchy and earthy to it. Yeah. What do people, I'm still baffled by the crunchy thing. Crunchy red fruit. So you You have beautiful descriptions, by the way, on your wines. I don't know who's doing them. But they, but they're very. Um, we, we, they paint a picture. Let's put it that way. But I, but but crunchy. I don't, AI. AI. Please. Chat. Um, chat I'm not that. I'm not that advanced. <laughs> but what does that mean? The crunchy uh, fruit. Uh, I'll start with rhubarb. Okay. Um, not that this is a terribly rhubarb wine, but like yeah. crunchy fruit to me is like. Um, Take whatever fruit you want and unripen it just a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's yeah. a great the, descriptor. The taste that evokes the feeling of biting into a plum that's not quite ripe. I, I was going to say plum. I like, you know, yeah. It's it's hard when to get. When I a, think of it, you oh. know, when you pick one of those like Santa Rosa plums mm-hmm. and you got the high. ones that you find on like the street, you know, the, the, those plums that oh, grow yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on the street, the, uh, those oh, red man, leaf. Um, totally. Yeah. We were. They're all over my neighborhood. My sister-in-law's obsessed with them. And every year she comes right around the 4th of July and yeah. we go through the whole neighborhood gleaning and make the, it's like the best, the best jam. Uh, but when you get those that aren't quite, you know, the mid June one, as opposed to the 4th of July one, where it still has yeah, some bite here. to it. And you yeah, get the, a little astringency from the skin and then you get the sweetness yes, from the totally, flesh. Totally. The, un, the unripe red Zinfandel berry, right? The, right. Un, the undippled. I mean, it's got fruit. It's fleshy. It, snaps in you in your mouth it's the snap yeah, it's yeah. about that snap the yeah. the, the oh, when a lot and it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily a a ripeness discussion when it comes to wine when the wine makes you have that feeling of that snap and that comes from a lot of things it's it's the fruit but it's acid it's tannin uh you know maybe it's something else in the in the winemaking um 
that'll help you, you know. I mean, those are so that feeling. Those are so complimentary, but so different. Yeah, you know that's why we do them, right? Yeah. I mean, if 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 there if there was redundancy, you have to be careful. By the way, you like the way the um the Chardon or the uh, Russian River and the Sonoma Coast. I know. I, I know it's hard on the podcast, but there's, there's a little line on the back, and that's the river, oh. and then this is the coast here. So when I'm at a tasting, and I'm facing, this is facing the customer. I know yeah, exactly. You know which one? Which I don't have to like look at because I can't read anyway. <laughs> so I just look at the design. But yeah, it, it, the the um, juxtaposition is very important. So the Russian River Valley, as I mentioned, kind of has this generous kind of. And I'm talking about typicity, not just ours. But what we wanted to do with the Russian River is take that generosity and just kind of, you know, just because you have ripe flavors doesn't mean you need to have a ripe wine, right? Right. So that was my approach with the Russian River. Then you get to Sonoma Coast and it gets more to that tension, right? Where where there is like a pine needle crunchiness to it, um, uh, which is... More, I, I think it's just thought provoking. Um, I just poured myself the Sunchase um, uh, Vineyard. Sunchase is, it's to me, it's kind of similar to Gap's Crown. It's in the same neighborhood, that Pengrove area, um, at the base of Sonoma Mountain. Actually, on the bench of Sonoma Mountain. Um, uh, this is uh, the last time uh, we we bottled this uh, the Sunchase. Um, we just kind of moved on from it, but. Uh, the Petaluma Gap, as everyone here knows, is sometimes a lot cooler. It's 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 the first line of of the fog when it comes in in you know July and August, September or June, July, August. Um, so it it actually is a, a cooler spot down there uh, than our than the Campbell Ranch, which is five miles from the ocean. Right? Crazy, yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it a, an elevation related thing also? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, the, the Campbell, or excuse me, the Sun Chase is just a, a probably, I don't know, 200 feet, something right. like that. But it's it's kind of like similar to Gap's Crown in that it's at the bench land. So it's like, that's where the fog just hits, like a, you know, like a water hitting a reservoir, right? Boom, hits and and it, and it just leaves at what, noon the next day. Right. So it's just kind of drenched. And it's windier. So, you know, as you know, that, that affects your... Totally. Your your uh, your your growth, uh, or your growing season. Yep. Yeah. Closes up those leaf pores. Exactly. The yeah, the sun chase is great. I love this yeah. feel. Yeah. I think it's pretty typical. So aromatically yeah. distinct too. Mm-hmm. Again, I I think you find that the Sonoma Coast wines have just like some savory notes to it, which. I don't want to say it's the antithesis of what Costa Brown was, but it's just it's it's another layer, right? It's a it's a different. I'll say a different. Yeah, it is a different approach, um, but it's a it's not a revolution. It's an evolution, right? Well, I've heard you have this conversation. I think it was with Adam, where it was, it was you're not running away from something; you're running to something, which is that's right. Yeah, which that's makes, right. Yeah. yeah, thank you for reminding me of that. That's exactly what that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not trying to make wines that are distinctly different from Costa Brown. You're trying to you're making wines that you want to make now. Yes, and and you know we use the word engineering. You know we're not engineering the wine. This is I don't have I could I don't have to do this project. I want to do this project, and it's it's very genuine. Um, you you have to make wine that reflects where you are in life. Um, if you don't, then there's no soul to the wine. 
That's good. And so, 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 are you going to continue to make the Zinfandel? You know what? It was it was a funny conversation. I I I of all people, since it was my pet project, I, I got together with my team. I said, guys, is this is this thing a distraction for you? Because I I just don't know what to do. Where do, where does this Zinfandel fit? And they're like, dude, that's your part of your story. You yeah. wanted to do Zinfandel. This is your passion. Who cares? You know, so I'm like, oh my god, you guys are you guys are right, and, and look, we just you released. can all keep your jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. And you know what? I know that we only make 90 cases of it, but it sold out in in 24 hours. Wow. You know, a couple of weeks ago. And right. So it's like, oh, well, well, but where's mine? Yeah. <laughs> but I can see that. I can see. I think it. I'm gonna need another half a ton. Yeah. Not yeah, to sell. Exactly. Yeah. To put into my cell. Did you hold any back? Uh, it's a point of contention um, because I have like people uh, who like to sell wine, yeah, and I like to hold wine back. Uh, we we over. This is never a conversation that ever happens right. around yeah. here, is it, Brian? No, not at all. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's a good problem to have. But I, I can see that. I'm. It's nice that you opened up that conversation with them because. When you're, especially when you're doing Chardonnay and Pinot, and it's a discussion about Burgundy and the history of, of those grapes, and then to have a Zinfandel in the lineup. But if it's, I think if you make it a fun thing for the wine club members to have access to, that, hey, by the way, we do this Zinfandel. It's kind of like a little Easter egg. Totally. You know, totally. And yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it, I, I was always uh, went to the school of, uh, you know, um, narrow your your scope uh, and do one thing well or do two things well with chardonnay and, and pinot yeah. and that's why i brought up that conversation i'm like is this a distraction and the answer was no so but didn't you guys keep your employees sort of interested at costa brown didn't you let them make one red and one white a year from different you, you have spots. definitely done your homework yeah, we did. They did. Kinda, they we went Pino back to Lake County, Tempranillo, one year. <laughs> yeah. Tempranillo, um, Sauvignon Blanc, Shannon, uh, Riesling from Anderson Valley. Yes, it, and it was really fun to do. It, it, yeah. Were those you, commercially? You, narrow casting, I I, you never sold them, right? It was just no. for them to play around no. with. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I know there's bottles floating out there, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it was just to keep them interested and to keep them curious. And well, first of all, you you get away from cellar palate a little bit, um, yeah. and then when you are only focusing on Pinot Noir with a little bit of Chardonnay, yeah. you kind of have the blinders on, and, right. and so you always have to diversify or at least you know see what's out there, and that's why it's very helpful to take staff to Burgundy or to you know just to see what everyone else is doing. Yeah, Sam. Oh yeah, Hello. or Croatia. I, I think we're we're gonna get to Nîmes maybe. Okay, Nîmes. Marseille. Then get back on the boat. I think we know someone in Nîmes that we might be able to stay at their house. Yeah, right, you're saying crash in Isabel's backyard. Right. If you can get there, yeah, exactly. If you can find it. All right, let's try the last. All right, so Campbell Raiders. Right I, I gotta catch up. Oh, no, I have the sun chaser. Right. You are. Oh, see, I'm already on Campbell Ranch. I'm still just waiting for the Zin, man. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel. I feel so Campbell. bad. I feel Campbell. so bad for myself that I didn't bring it. Uh, you want to talk? Hey, listen. 
You see what's going on here? Um, there's four corks and one diem cork. One of these things doesn't look like the other. And, the and this is this is from the Chardonnay. Right. Everything is going to this now. You're going to DM I am. I, I I'm. I love these corks. I'm looking at the corks now. They're, Those look like some nice corks. They're too. beautiful corks. Um, but guess what? What a, whatever other industry allows for this amount of failure, you know, if let's call it one to five percent. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. So the DM is that's where we're going. It's not it's not as pretty, but I don't care anymore. OK, so it's not a price thing for you. It specifically has to do with TCA. Yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. You know, if I, I get pissed off when I get a cork bottle of my own wine, because for every bottle that I open that's corked, holy shit, someone else is going to get it who might not know what corkiness is, and they just don't like, they say, oh, well, this King Bean sucks because of the, you know, damn cork. Have you thought about doing screw cap on the Russian River and Sonoma Coast? I, I do screw cap on the rosé be yeah. because, A, I, I think that I like screw cap for wines that are meant to be consumed immediately, yeah. and they're, they're great for when you're driving. Yeah. I've had on it. There's <laughs> <laughs> a deadpan, the, like, straight face. Right. But I had, to put a straw had, in the bottle. You know, this was something that happened at Hospice Tyrone that that um, Ian Blessing, a, fr a friend of ours, him and I had to open up, you know, five cases of, it was for the tasting in the morning. And I was opening up five cases of something with cork. He was opening up five cases of an Australian Shiraz. I think it was like an, it was like an O2. And he had all screw caps. And he's sitting there, pap, 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 pap. Everyone he's putting up on the table as fine, 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 yeah. fine. And I'm popping corks. Yeah. And I'm like every fourth or fifth bottle, I'm like, a mm, little bit different. Um, <laughs> Toad bottle variation. But, but again, but, it wasn't corkiness. It was just variation. Just variation. There was variations. There was Which is not good either, either right? really. No, but but I was surprised at the screw cap that like every, and this was, this was 13, 14 this was, years in. Yeah, because this was the 2016 yeah. hospice. Yeah. In bottle, screw cap. Yeah. Every single line. The only thing I don't, I, I'm a little bit hesitant uh, for the screw caps on the reds is is reduction. Mm, right. You know that that's I just I, I like the, the 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 way that corks breathe, uh, okay. and I know that you can get certain levels of, um, uh, what sort I'm looking for of the plastic liner. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, that's what uh, all of Adam Lee's. New right. brand, the Clarice wines. Well, Siduri is all. Siduri was all that too. And, and you yeah. know, these are not inexpensive wines. No. And he's, you know, he has the highest end or whatever of the plastic liner and the screw cap that allows the. I mean, his winemaking. His winemaking is not reductive. So right. okay, that's a good start. Right. I mean, but there's some people that do reductive winemaking and then they put a screw cap on. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, this thing yeah. smells like if, a Heineken. Right. If it's going to go, it's really going to go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, so those are my little philosophies. Never say never, but I, and I, I was, I was going kicking and screaming with the DM, uh, because I'm a, a kind of a marketing kind of guy, but, um, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled with the success of it, and and uh, yeah, I just you just sleep easier at night. What do you think of uh, cans and uh, boxes coming up? Um, we, we talk about reduction, right? <laughs> so, um, 
look, we're all men of a certain age here, save for Sam. Uh, <laughs> approaching ages, approaching certain ages. Um, so basically what we're talking about is uh, a marketing um, marketing towards a, um, a generation, let's call them Gen Z, uh, which is, what's the number? 90% of all wines are consumed the day it's purchased? Right. Right, is that the number? 45 minutes. Yeah. Average bottles, yeah. yeah. Eight, so, it's eight hours. Now. Eight hours it's from average purchase, uh, purchase <laughs> yeah. to consumption. Right. So, well, that's just because you order it online in the morning and it's delivered to your house in the afternoon. That's right. So, I mean, that's a real thing. So, can is accessible. Um, I prefer to not drink wine out of a can. It just doesn't go well with me. I think personally, you know, the bladder, the box, probably pretty good, pretty good way to go. And again, it comes back down to like wine that is meant like our rosé, for example. We have a screw cap. Would that be good in a bladder? Probably. Right. Probably. I've tasted some awesome wines in Bordeaux in boxes. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's really good is the uh, the keg. I, I did a couple of keg things. Right. Um, that's that's totally anaerobic. You use uh, I guess CO two, right? To, yeah. For the or to push or, or yeah, and uh, it it works phenomenally. I mean, you can have a wine that's you know, four months in a keg, you know, on tap, and it's and it's great. Well, now you don't even have to worry about the coming and going of the keg either, because Sam yeah, does uh, wines uh, disposable those. ones right. in the recycling bin. Yeah. 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 You, so you, you like those? I, you know, it's um, it's a great way for a buy-the-glass program to, you know, you don't have any bottling expenses. Literally, it's like you sit there and you fill a keg with a thing out of the tank. You know, yeah. you don't pay a truck. You don't have a bottle. You don't have a label. You don't have a cork or a screw cap or a DM or uh, and... You just have to get people, people to buy the systems. Yeah, well, you know, you find the places, you know, the Fairmont has one and and then you have customers who aren't going to find necessarily like buy the $170 bottle of our wine that's on the list there because they know they can get it for, you know, half that price from us, but they're going to sit at the pool and be like I could drink anything here, but I know this. That's and, right. and you know, so it's and it's great. It's great to have people out there or they go Oh well, I'll try the sixteen six hundred rosé, and they go, "This is really good. How do I get more?" And you know, so just yeah. it's that same thing that you just said. It's it's how do you get the wine into the glass so people taste it? Because that's the only way you sell it. And and the keg at a poolside bar. Oh come on! Yeah, all yeah. day long. If I had a pool, it would be at my pool, right? Yeah. You know, the <laughs> beverage people in in Santa Rosa they have these great little kegerators. We used to have one. Yeah. They're really little jockey boxes. This Campbell Ranch is spectacular. Thank you. Thank oh, yeah. you. There's a, there's a reason we <laughs> leased that to, one. Back yeah. To this. <laughs> it is. It is. It it um hits all the notes of, you know, when even when I think of like what a Costa Brown is and was, uh, it has the richness, it has the savory, it still has some, some crunch and some acid. And, um, yeah, no, it, what are these clones, Dan? Um, so, uh, we get, um, four different blocks, four, five different blocks from Campbell Ranch. It's mainly one fifteen, a little bit of six, six, seven. And then there's this block 13, which is kind of a masal. Uh, block so there's one fifteen six six seven eight two eight I say triple seven and twenty three um so yeah it's Dijon basically 
Um, we uh, on some of the Russian River stuff, we get more into um, her, you know, like a, a um, swan um, and uh, a cholera. Um, but as far as the Sonoma Coast goes, we're pretty much Dijon close. So, what, what talking about Gen Z or the, how has marketing changed for you with this brand? Like, do you have a, do you have a marketing department? Do you have anyone that does your I have a great social gal. Uh, her name is Sarah Sorgel, yeah. and she is uh, my rock when it comes to that. And she is younger. She's uh, well, I can't say how old she is, but let's just say she's not in her forties. Yeah. Um, and um, she's just so bright and so in tune with everything. And she really helped us design this label during COVID. We had a lot of time to do this. Yeah. So, um, and and so the brand itself, I, you'll you'll notice if if you go out and buy a, um, a twelve different bottles of Pinot Noir, for example, eleven of them are going to have a red foil, huh. right? Yeah. Um, so we wanted to get away from that. We, I'm, I'm a big blue guy. There's a very coastal, coastally influenced brand. So you'll see there's blue all over the place, and that's for the coast. And then you see in our little tapestry that it is that's Earth also. So it's very. I, it's, I think blue is a very friendly color, and and I and we did we do that on purpose um, because we don't want to be a stodgy, you know. Uh, uh, your old your your dad's wine label right you know we we just don't want to do that now that's just uh physical stuff uh but obviously social is a big part and i'm not i don't do social media but so i sarah does it for us yeah. and which is is huge and i it's hard to apply a metric to, to social um other than yeah. likes and followers but um it's huge I mean, who goes to a website anymore right not first, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it is all about, and uh, websites are new; <laughs> they become obsolete. <laughs> so, yeah. so social is huge. Basically, hire younger people for, you know, you, right. you have to, you have to. Everything's moving so fast. You know, I'm 51. I feel like a dinosaur. But you are you know? still out selling the wine? Or are you still traveling? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I like, I like telling the stories. Yeah, it's still fun, and and people, people. People love it. We, I don't want to do a whole bunch of proxy marketing stuff like that. I, yeah. it, you know, it's hard to clone me, but I will get out there as, as much as possible. Yeah. And how, what what is your total case production for? Uh, We're about like six thousand cases total. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, enough to keep everybody busy. Enough to keep everybody busy and not too much to worry about it. Right. <laughs> Only twice as much as you made at your Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a good way to come back full circle. <laughs> All right. Now I want to tell everyone if they're um, local and they want to come try these wines, April 26th. Uh, at the Fairmont, you'll be doing a winemaker dinner. Yes, um, I'm. I'm going to see you there either way. I might be I was eating. Say, thank you for setting that one up. Man. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I, I might yeah. be eating dinner, but I I might also be emceeing the event. Oh, beautiful! How about both? <laughs> um, Just can't get away. Can't I can't. Um, <laughs> I can't drink wine and emcee at the same time because it'll get ugly. Really I fast. can only emcee when I'm drinking wine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I if you just call the Fairmont Sonoma Mission in and, and they'll direct you to Adrian and um, 
she'll take your credit card information. And it's, it's, a, it's, I think it's only 28 people. Yeah. It's, um, small. it's small. Yeah. Are you bringing someone? You coming by yourself? I better be bringing my wife. Okay. <laughs> so then there is 28 seats available. <laughs> and then the tasting rooms open how many days a week? We're open um, uh, Thursday through Monday. So we're closed on Tuesday, Wednesdays. But uh, yeah, like I mentioned, come on in. Don't, you know, be spontaneous. Come in, have some wine. Don't make an appointment. We won't charge you. I wonder. And this is at Bacchus. This landing? is at Bacchus How? Landing, which is on West Side Road, just outside of uh, the square. In and and How a, many wineries are left in tasting rooms are left in Sonoma County that have a free tasting plate? That even would give you a free splash if you walked in. I wouldn't know where I to mean, start. I mean, you know, maybe people come in here and... Hey, I did it the other day. Yeah, no, if somebody says they come in and they're like, hey, I heard about your Grenache. I heard about this. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. I think imagery does. You, imagery still does? Yeah. You can walk in and get a... No. Yeah, no. Probably get a taste of something that's not made in Sonoma County. But like, honey, no, that, they, that's, <laughs> you know what? That company that's, won't even pay for that fruit. No. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. No, you two, know what? Two former Benziger employees. <laughs> if they want to join the vintners and growers, we'd love to have them be part of it. We'd be happy to help shots fire. Just saw the wine group part of this bag when I walked in. Oh, I didn't really, like I saw the logo. <laughs> Took me a while to realize that was a D yeah. and a K. Yeah. I just saw wine group. Like, this oh, is where we. This is something happened. Is, subtlety is not your forte, huh? <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. Oh man. <laughs> This episode brought to you by Cupcake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got real quiet over there real quick. Well, Dan, thank you very much for coming and sharing the wines. I, I mean, obviously, I'm a fan. I um, put um, two of the wines on at the Fairmont, and then they are, um, they've actually thanked me since I left um, for bringing the wines on because awesome. it's, doing, yeah, it's doing really well. That's great. Thank um, you. And I'll look forward to seeing you um, next month. Always fun to talk uh, about this stuff, guys. Um, yeah. It never gets old. So yeah. this is fun. killer. Love the the evolution. Yeah, yeah. thank these, you. These are thank you fun wines. Yeah, the Campbell um, Ranch. Definitely. I'm definitely a Sitting sun chase over Campbell. Ranch oh, you're a sun myself. chaser. Yeah. That's why we yeah. make them both. It's yeah. not a it's not a competition. Well, sun, and that vineyard's probably just what a couple miles from your house, up over the hill. Uh, over the hill and through over the woods, through, through the dale, and <laughs> to Pengrove we'll go. <laughs> over the hill, through yeah, yeah. I will actually drive by it on my way home. Yeah, yeah. Um, shout outs for you guys. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, is, is there anything else to talk about besides? Well, is this going to come out after April first? I don't think so. I think it's going to be. So. I think we're still. So. Okay. So we do have an event coming up at the Fairmont. If you haven't heard. If you haven't heard. <laughs> if you don't already um, have tickets. There won't be any Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. There will not no, be any Pinot Noir no. and Chardonnay. Um, doing a tasting. Mostly so. Grenache. Shovel Blanc. Um, <laughs> yes. Dan's bringing his Shovel Blanc collection. Dan will have six Shovel Blancs in Magnum. Get a ticket. Um, <laughs> um, we're doing a tasting of Rossi Ranch, so uh, organically farmed vineyard, Rossi Ranch. Um, I don't know. What do we have? 12 different winemakers and brands? There's 16600 and, and Audi So there's two. Yeah. Uh, Dane Sellers. Yep. Jean de Bois. Jean de Bois. Wine XYZ or. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Artie, Artie uh, Johnson's brand. Tony Biaggi's Tony new, new brand. Under, under the Hourglass logo. Uh, yep. Did we say Sociate? Sociate. Mayo. Mayo. Uh, Rosemary Cake Breads Gallica. Yep. Um, 
I think it's got to be more uh, Francois. Uh, Francois. I don't know. I don't. I'm just throwing Jacques, people in. I'm Pierre, just people in there. Um, <laughs> I think we're, we're forgetting somebody. Yeah, but we're gonna have a lot of wines. We're gonna do. Oh, uh, Abbott's Passage. Oh, thank you. Right. Shout out Kitty Bunchu. Yeah. And uh, I heard from Dave Hayes last night. He, Dave Hayes is coming. He, he's coming. He's, so I'm having lunch with him uh, oh, good. on Monday at the Fig. If you guys want to tag along, I think I will be. Um, well, so well, we're also because we're crazy. Um, the day after April second, oh, yeah. we're having Vinyl Sunday. Just old school, old fashioned Vinyl Sunday at the Tasting House. Got some tacos. Bad some, tacos. The best Sonoma. tacos. I know. Uh, is it Friday yet? Um, yeah. Little uh, bluegrass duo playing music. Just gonna hang out. If you're if you're a Phil Setme member, you can pick up your shipment that day. Um, hopefully, I get all the labels. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's only one we're waiting for. I mean, a couple of hoops to jump through before then. But... I, have, I have some labels that I'm waiting on myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, three weeks is right. gonna somehow become yeah. four days. Right. Um. So yeah. So on. Point being, on Monday, April third, I'm going to um, be asleep. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be, it's going to be a long weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a great long weekend. Well, and also that that night at the Fairmont. So that April first, we're doing the tasting. Whites during the day, rosé lunch, reds in the afternoon, and then there will be live music out at the food truck. Well, and also I think a bunch of people who are get fruit from Rossi Ranch that isn't one of the Rones are bringing wine. Right. So there's going to be a lot of other wine, you know, and the rosé. It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. a fun day. But a, the, you know, I was looking, you know, the, you have like the taste of Washington's going on right now that Elaine is at. You see these things. I don't know of like a single vineyard open to the public multi-winery tasting like this. I don't, you don't see this happening anywhere else. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking everywhere. Who else is doing We'll have this? this conversation when it's over and, we'll, and re-examine <laughs> if, it. If, if there's a reason why that doesn't happen, there's a reason why people don't do this crazy. We're going to have a great time. Yes. <laughs> you guys are going to need portable spit cups. Yeah. You need those ones like hanging around your neck like you're at. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, we don't, we don't want to see any of those people at the no, event. No. Yeah, we've been to the San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition. Right, exactly. And, you can, and you Zap. Can, yeah, you can see... Yeah. Um, results of that in yeah, our exactly. social media uh dan, i mean dan you said yeah. you're not a social guy but do you want to tell people how to get all you know get in touch with you or get a hold of yeah some of these I mean, wines? you can do um our, the website is dkconvene.com uh, um and of course there's bacchus landing and yeah instagram facebook all that good stuff great restaurants there too so you can come do a tasting eat some, yeah um, yeah absolutely we we are uh as you mentioned um at the fairmont or of course at john ash and company all the places that you, the usual suspects man we are we are there <laughs> this is our backyard so it's yep. um, restaurants are alive and kicking which is fantastic yeah where were you in uh, the restaurant business i was at john ash and company um, I, I actually, my, my, um, uh, I'm, I'm a really good friend of mine who just passed last week, John Vicini. Um, he used to own the Villa restaurant and he gave me my first job when I was 14. And, um, and then, and then I went to uh, work uh, in high school at Chateau Souverain and Gary Danko was the chef there. So that was, that was a hell of an experience. Yeah. And then, and then of course, John Ash. And then we started fermenting, uh, grape juice. Yeah. 
there's not there's nothing at the uh the villa anymore no right they now, just closed there? last year yeah 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 unfortunately yeah um, someone yeah. ought to someone ought to get that place it's a beautiful make it view. into a cool yeah. spot yeah it's a great spot it's it needs a little work yeah and it might have had a checkered past over the past two decades uh, that not just when i was there the flavor okay <laughs> decade sorry <laughs> it's all about the stories couple, Bart. couple couple kitchen fires right yeah <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, if you want to get some tickets for um, our Rossi Ranch event, um, you can just call it's us. On the, uh, call us. It's on the website. There's an Eventbrite if you're um, feeling yeah, like given... through Eventbrite. And then if you want to um, see Dan at the Fairmont, just uh, call the Fairmont. Ask for Adrian. Giddy up. Yep. Right on. Thanks, guys. Nice wine, Dan. Thanks. Thank Thanks, you Dan. Thanks, Dan.